Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO show. My name's Kevin Appleby and today I've got an experienced CFO and a board advisor with me in the shape of Manu Gupta. Manu, hello and welcome to the Grow CFO show. Hello, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Manu, you're a CFO and board advisor, but it sounds as though there's a, there's a long career behind you to get to that state. So tell us, how did you become a CFO? Hmm. I can say with confidence that I never started my journey as a professional to become a CFO. Uh, I do have a 20 years journey to talk about as my background. And I did uh, accountancy as by education, but I never got into practices. So I'm not a practice accountant by trade. I did that just to understand the numbers. Numbers always fascinated me. And, uh, and I never felt that CFO was the destination for me because I got involved in asset management. Right. At the start of my career, then I worked with insurance. So it was always in the areas of numbers, to do with numbers, using numbers to help take, you know, take decisions, whether they were marketing, whether they were product, or whether they were corporate strategy decisions. But I was always been working on that side. I never thought of becoming a CFO was perhaps, like I said, destination for me, or even in my journey, my, I had anticipated that. But yeah, like uh, it's good fortune, life, you know, kind of have, finds its own way, the water finds its own level. Let me put it this way, if I have to skim. And uh, yeah, I just. Uh, it's funny how that happens. And uh, some of the most interesting things that I happen, I think happen in a career are things that you probably never have planned. Right. Because you, you, you can't kind of looking forward, sit down, write a pile of objectives out and imagine the stuff you've gone nothing, nowhere near yet or the stuff hasn't appeared. So I, I guess it must be somewhat like that with you that, that roles have progressed and opportunities have come up that have looked interesting. I think one of the things which has been a defining uh, characteristic of my journey has been is to find myself in places which I have not done before. Perhaps I'm an atypical journalist in that approach as a professional. I started my life in sales. Can you believe a sales guy getting into finance? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I started my life in sales in an asset management company, then moved into business analyst. Because apparently my boss and sales leader wanted somebody to analyze the data to help him take better decisions in terms of customer attraction. So, yeah, uh, so what you're saying is so, so correct. And I have never actually gone deep into a business function and spent 20 years in that. What I have done is that I've worked across different business aspects, business functions. And I've always looked at from a perspective of an outside in, which means to me, am I helping my team? Am I helping my customers? So I'm helping my customers, my team, or I'm helping my, you know, myself in that journey to pick up new skills. So, so that has been, I would say, my motto, my mantra, that I find myself in places which I've not done before. And I kind of like that in my I like that challenge where I'm, I've not done it and I'm not picking up the skills whilst I'm on the job. So that's been perhaps one of the motives of my life. I must admit that that really does appeal to me. I, I do like moving between things and picking up the, the new skills and learning on the job. It's, it's one of the things that I think that keeps life interesting. I personally hate routine. So I always look at the same which I have. Uh, 
there is a rule which I have, and perhaps that's a rule which I would like to share with you, and, and I would like to have your inputs on that. Have you done the same thing 10 times or have you done different things? And I always wanted to get into this latter part of that, that I would like to do 10 different things in my professional journey, be exposed to different issues, business, business challenges, and use the skills which I have gained through that journey to, you know, kind of unravel those questions. Yeah, I think that's what produces a rounded individual. You're describing yourself very much as a a generalist, but... I think you've got to have a certain amount of depth in each of those things, even so. I hope so. <laughs> That's the reason perhaps I was able to get to where I was able to get to and, and deliver results. So, yeah, so I think the ethos of the, for me has been that once I've been able to overcome a business challenge, I really look forward to the next one. So, yeah. And that is what uh, got me to leave insurance. So I started, as I mentioned, I started with asset management, then I moved into life insurance. I was working for a business called New York Life, one of the largest insurance companies in the world. I was pretty successful. I left that back in 2009 and I, you know, did the MBA in finance from a wonderful university called Manchester Business School, uh, which got me a new role in my life as a consultant. I had never been a consultant. I had always been an operational leader. And for me to take a step back and, and try to influence people uh, by analyzing information, by helping them understand and put it much context around that was again, a, you know, the same ethos of putting myself in places which I have not done before. So I did uh, become a consultant specifically in the insure tech space, which is again a very interesting space, which I worked in with the likes of Masternot, MyDrive uh, at that time. And then after five years of being a consultant, I got myself as an opportunity to work in a startup. Right. And the challenge which the board shared with me was that they didn't have any finance team and they wanted to set up a finance team because they had got a Series A capital uh, and they were looking to grow their business five times in the next two years. Uh, and that was, again, I have not done before, so I put my hand up. I was, you know, kind, God was kind enough to get me that opportunity. Let me put it this way. And I found myself as a finance director for the first time. Um well, Man, that, that is really interesting. Most of the people we talk about taking the journey to CFO will have come through a, a very much a finance background. Many of those folk have worked in a, a professional office, often in the big four. They've stepped out. They've become a financial controller or a head of finance. And you're a consultant. You've done an MBA and you've stepped in to finance for the first time. And you're in the number one role. Correct. Uh, just to add, I also did my CMI as well. So I, I did pick up that criteria for the board in terms of being a trained accountant. I think uh, one of the things which has changed, and I think uh, people in finance would change with, would need to change with that. I'm no one to talk about the whole industry, but just as a personal view, is that, that earlier and even today, the word assurance is attached to the finance professional. When, what, do you, what image does come into your mind when you think about of an FD or a CFO? He's a guy who is quiet, who is measured, who understands the business. And if you were to give him something as a task, he will control it. So there is a kind of a assurance around the whole function and the leader of that function. 
And that is perhaps the reason why people have looked at traditionally, you know, CFOs coming from the accountancy and the practices background, whether from big four or even the larger accountancy firms. The word which I operated in was always to do with enabling the business result. How can we increase our revenues? How can we deliver more return to the shareholder is the word I have lived, lived my 15, 16 years of life before I entered into the world of finance. So it was always finance was an enabler, was a tool to deliver results. So it was always looking at the finance from that perspective. And that's how I believe my my core skills is, my core ethos is. So yes, we need to make sure the books are right. We need to make sure the balances do balance and all the regulatory compliances have been ticked off. But I call them, Kevin, in my personal experience, more is table stakes. That, that's not the value creation. That's just ensuring the value doesn't get destroyed. Absolute basics, the ticking the boxes that have got right. ticked. And the real value, I think we probably both agree, is being the strategic business partner with the CEO. Correct. And that is where being a consultant, being a person who perhaps started his life in sales, moved to product strategy, and then finally as a consultant, and picking up those skills to influence people and decision-making of people from an agenda perspective was perhaps what helped me to land that, that major job. And if I may say, do well at that job as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did uh, start join that startup back in 2016. That was my first gig as an FTCFO for business. I set up that team there. I had the business grew five times. So that got me issues like how do I support scale so quickly because processes can never capture with that kind of a growth. We are making commitments in the market and the operations are not catching up with those commitments in the market. So, yeah, so that was, again, an interesting journey, piece of learning, which I got. But, yeah, that's, I would say, is a nutshell of my journey of 20 years that I started my life in an operational area, became a consultant, and I believe all the things which I did in those 15 years helped me to become better at FTRCF. Yeah. So if some folk who are consultants may well be listening to this, would you recommend stepping from consultancy to finance director CFO is a, is a good path to take? I think I would, the right sort of skills? I would recommend that. And I think I would strongly encourage people who are coming from an operational or a consulting background to do that. Because like I believe, they understand they use finance more as an enabler rather than as a controller. Yeah. Uh, And that is the fundamental purpose of finance in this new age. We don't need to control, we need to enable. Yeah. So what sort of attitudes and skills do you think the the modern CFO has got to bring? I have something called, which I say, three dimensions uh, in my way of looking at my own self and my peers. Um, and I think the first element is is the attitude, uh, the spirit of what what does a CFO being a CFO mean to you? Does it mean to you that you you manage a large PNL of FTSE in listed business? Does because that's required. That's that's necessary by law because a lot of people have invested money in that. So you need that assurance. But to me, again, I would go that as and classify that as a table stake. Uh, to me, I think being a CFO means being a partner, a partner to, more importantly, and first a partner to the CEO, because you are a person who are not only just uh, his confidant, but you also are helping him 
come through his thoughts. So you become more like a thought partner to him, and you challenge him. You become like a you like a like a school kind of body which you perhaps you had that in those school relationships, the body relationship. Yep. So you become that person to that person, and that's to me the most important attitude uh, or one CFO needs to have. So does he see himself like that? Does he see himself like a body to the CEO uh, to the CC? Or even forget about those big, you know, titles. Does he see himself to, as a body to any person? Because he understands the business. He understands the business model. He understands what brings the money and what are the costs. So he yeah. should be at the best position to help you or anyone take a decision. So as much as talking to the CEO, it's about talking to the head of sales, the head of marketing, head of production, which, whichever of those departments it is. Business is all about taking decisions. And the CFO or the FE of the business is the best equipped person to help people take better decisions. And to me, I think that's the fundamental reason that I exist as a CFO. Uh, obviously, and I'm not taking away the assurance element at all, but as soon as that assurance element is kicked in, that is the reason I exist. Yeah. I exist to help you, help my team, help my leaders take better decisions. That to me is the fundamental reason why. So that is the first dimension in terms of what do being a CFO mean to me. Okay. What about the second dimension then? Well, I think the second dimension is all about in terms of how does the these attitudes manifest in terms of energies, in terms of uh, in terms of how do I engage with other people? So I want to help you take decisions. That's great. That's a great intent to have. But how do I go about doing that on a day to day basis? With all that information which a CFO has, it becomes a very unique position. It's it's more like, you know, you, you know the stuff about people which people do not know or are not willing to share in the open forum. So I think managing energy yourself about your own energy becomes to me the second dimension about what does a CFO means. Do I walk into a room as a decision maker or decision enabler is the mindset which I would like to question with people. I walk into the room. And I would like to believe that I walk into a room that I have a mindset of a decision enabler. And that is the energy element or portion which I talk about. It's very important for a CFO, in my personal belief, is not to be the know-all, the be-all, but to be the custodian of what-if in this whole process. And then to take the ownership of so what, because that's how you enable better decisions. That's how you enable better energy management across the business. Why would a question or a problem land at a CFO desk? Because either the CEO wants to spend money or he wants to raise capital. These are the only fundamental two reasons why those business questions happen. Normally, the customer contract commercial discussions do not land at the CFO desk because they are normally taken care by the chief revenue officers or the head of sales or the commercial director people. So fundamentally, the business is either trying to raise capital or spend money are the two fundamental everyday, day-to-day questions which people are looking for CFO to help, which means managing your energy becomes very important. Why? Because you are dealing with money. You are spending some valuable resource or you are going out and projecting yourself to raise capital. So I personally believe it's very important for me to manage my energies because that allows me to gain trust, that allows me to be a part of the team to be that body which helps people to take better decisions. So you you talk about managing your energy, but how do you manage your energy? What process do you go through to do that? Well, 
there are three different situations which I normally look at when I'm looking at managing my own environment. First is that is that a control situation, which means if it's that the assurance piece. So does the thing have to be done? The word I'm using the word is operator word is have to be yes. done in a particular manner, which means, for example, when I'm making a submission for an FCA report, we cannot afford to make mistakes. It has to adhere to a particular template, to particular standards. So I think that to me is the first situation analysis which I do in managing energy. Is it in a control situation? Which means by there I'm coming in as an expert. I need to be very clear in terms of what I need from that discussion. I need to be very clear in terms of giving directions to, to my team members or my colleagues that this is a situation where these things have to be done in a particular manner. Yeah. And that's a situation where there's a, a clear right and a wrong. Correct. And there is a clear it's going to protect the company and be on the right. Correct. Absolutely. We're going to go on and say, well, in nearly other, every other situation, there's, there's rarely a single right answer. Correct. So, so the second situation which I would do in my assessment, if it is not a control situation, it is, is, is a much more what I say as a customer situation. So, so that to me is my third interpretation of managing, second interpretation of managing my own energy. So is it a customer situation, which means, it is affecting, from a business perspective, my top line, my margins. And how do I interpret that situation? More often than not, the CFOs are involved in customer commercial discussions. Can I get that discount on that price or not? Can I, you know, get more volumes in terms of if the price is the same? Fundamentally, can I quickly close the deal or not? So that is the intended outcome most of these situations are looking to arrive at. Yeah. Or they are trying to rectify already past action, which means the customer is agreed or whether we did not fulfill our commitments, follow through on our promises. In that situation, Kevin, I, I do not go with as, as that have to be done. There, and I'm trying to be more of a custodian of the brand in terms of what is the right thing for the business to do financially as well as operationally and more importantly for my team member. I'm adverse to the idea of a CFO beating down the team man. I'm adverse to that idea. I do not like to do that. I have not done that. And I really do not appreciate if if we beat down our team members in order to satisfy our customer demands. I think to me, the first stakeholder as a CFO to me is my team. Yes. And it's my customer. So that's how I manage my own energy. So I direct my energy towards how can I help elevate my team members out of this situation? What can help them to do the better and answer those things? Fantastic. And I think there's a really interesting one there in terms of how you you look at something that might have gone wrong with a team member and a customer, that there's something about, well, we've got to accept we've got something wrong here. How do we now sort it out to the best ink, to the best outcome for the team and the best outcome for the customer? And one thing that I've I've come to learn over the years that the customer may feel as though there's something wrong when that when there actually possibly isn't. And quite often it's useful within reason to, to just accept that the customer's not happy and do whatever is needed to sort it out. I haven't found a customer who as like just said within the reasonable clarifications and you know justifications would not take the business position if it is true and proper. Equally, I have never found, and that's perhaps my second way of looking at my own self, is I never found a team member who gets up in the morning and tries to screw up a customer deal. 
Exactly. Exactly. Nobody gets out of bed to do a bad job. So which means as as a finance leader, my job is to help him do his job better. Yeah. And that's how I manage that's how I manage my energies on that in that situation. So I I try to dissuade myself from the customer outcome and I start thinking what my team members are. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, if if the team member has done a bad job, it's it's likely because he wasn't trained or instructed properly in how to do it in the first place. It's rarely his own fault. And probably he has been trying to do the best he possibly could with the knowledge he's got. Correct. Or she's got. Correct. So that to me was my second way of looking at my own energy. And the third one is perhaps the most important is the board and the CEO relationship as a CFO. That is where I am less of an expert, more, less of a team member, but more of a member of the same community. So Mm -hmm. as a board advisor, as a CFO, I am seen as a custodial of a couple of things. That I've got the reporting in place, I've got the assurance in place, the com- compliance in sticked off. But as soon as those things are discussed from the in most of my board meetings, the immediately question comes to me is, okay, what do you think? And that's a very interesting piece of question which, which a CFO needs to answer in any board engagement or any C-suite engagement. Mm-hmm. Because then it becomes, okay, what are the scenarios? And have you thought through those scenarios in terms of implications for the business? Are there positive implications? Are there threats which people have you know, perhaps overlooked. And there is more about adding value to those discussions and driving the thinking forward. So there you become a thought partner to your CEO, you become that buddy. So you manifest all those things in terms of being a buddy, managing your energy, looking at your teams into that one particular relationship. To me, that is the most important relationship a CFO and FT needs to manage because that's where everything comes together and manifests into a reality. Yeah. I guess you've seen that board situation from two sides, Manu, because you're, you're both a CFO finance director sitting on your own board and you're working as a board advisor in other organizations. Correct. So I, I have, uh, fortunate enough, I am in that situation where I am working with one, one particular startup where I'm helping them uh, make decisions as an advisor. And in the other startup, which is actually now a scale-up, I'm an operational full-time CFO uh, working there and doing the numbers. It's interesting, uh, perhaps getting more value as an advisor than as an operational person, because as an advisor, I'm able to take a step back and understand, okay, why, what's happening? Uh, more often than not, on a day-to-day basis, uh, I am I get involved operationally and more about firefighting. Most of the times, the board meetings on a regular basis as an operational CFO person, which I'm having, and is I'm having to answer those questions, which are really operational. Once uh, we do have a strategic agenda, more often than not, but it's operational, okay, what raising capital, meeting targets, looking at the KPIs, making sure the reports are in place. But when I switch to a different role, which is the, being an advisor, I'm not looking at like that. I'm, I'm looking at the future direction of the business. What are the potential ways to increase the enterprise value of that business? And that is very exciting because I'm there. I'm able to use my skills and background to help that board think about those fundamental questions. So I think it's it's been, I would say, a learning experience for me on a personal mm-hmm. level that uh, when I'm switching, I'm not able to bring that insights into operational abilities. I'm, I am still falling through the trap that, okay, I'm getting more caught up with the operational stuff and Thinking less about enterprise value and you know the future direction. Yeah. Now, 
a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I had a, a guest who was a, a communications guy rather than being a CFO, and he was a, a board advisor too. And I asked him the question, what made it makes a good CFO? And we talked about a few things, and he said, oh, I think every CFO ought to also be a board advisor or a non-executive director. Would you concur with that, that it's a good thing to be? Yes, I would wholeheartedly recommend that. And, I'm, and like I said, I'm not doing a good job at being bringing the learnings as an advisor into my operational day-to-day roles because being an advisor helps you to dissuade yourself with those, those questions yeah. and helps you to have a long-term futuristic outlook at the business. And that, to me, is one of the key things where a CFO can add value to the board. But as an operational person, I'm not picked up, developed the skill to kind of switch sides very quickly. So I think I strongly recommend, I totally agree with that viewpoint. And if anybody would like to up their games in terms of influencing a board and having a better relationship in terms of managing stakeholders and expectations, being an advisor is definitely a, a must thing to do. Mm. So Manu, we, we talked about first dimension, which was about attitudes and skills. Talked about a second dimension, which was all about energies and managing your own energy. You said there was a third dimension. I have forgotten about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, so for me as a CFO means having uh, an impact. So yep. The third dimension is, okay, uh, Ashes is just about to start tomorrow. So, you know, why are we rooting for having Ben Stokes? I'm sorry, I'm, I, I will use a lot of cricket analogies if you if you, if you call me. I love cricket analogies. It's absolutely fine for me. Uh, so, so, so Ben Stokes. So who is Ben Stokes? Besides being a great player, he is an impact. Yes. So the third dimension for me as a CFO, which I seriously believe for myself is, I need to identify the areas of my impact. I can't boil the ocean. I don't intend to boil the ocean. Don't have, nor I want to boil. What, but I do definitely want to do is that when I work as a buddy to a CEO, if Kevin were to call him out, he would have one or two good things to say about one. And in order for me to deliver that tangible impact, I need to identify where I can, you know, have the maximum results. It's like, you know, within the test match of working relationship as a cricket test match, I need to identify which is the 2020 over match for me. I need to have very clearly identified that when I'm stepping into this role, which I did in my first, because this that was my first experience of leading a finance team. And I could understand that, okay, there are a lot many things to do with scaling a business, but I can't manage all of them. I can't influence all of them. So I quickly identified two things which I could do. One of the things, just, just being anecdotal about that personal experience was to get a credit line in place. So uh, we got a 600, 1 million credit line in place for that startup scale up. So which allowed us to, you know, kind of maximize our investment. So that was a straight away a clear impact visible to the board, to the CEO that, okay, we got a guy and he looked at the problem different way and he said, okay, let's use this capital differently. Yeah. So that to me is the third dimension that any and every CFO worth his or her salt has to quickly identify those one or two areas where they will go and play a 2020 over match and just walk, whack the ball out of the park. They yeah. could get out. It's it's a, I'm let's say mature enough to acknowledge that's a high risk strategy. They could get out, which means they could have, they could ruffle interpersonal issues, the, the whole thing which I talked about managing energy, 
having that manifestation of those attitudes. It could go out wrong, but something has to be done initially when you get into this role and something has to be done once a year. So I've been at this role for the last five years. It's not just the first 90 days, which people believe that, okay, when you get become a CFO or a leader, you have to have an impact the first 90 days. I believe it ha- it's, a, it's an annual thing. So you need to pick up one or two projects annually, take it to a conclusion, and those projects need to give a shareholder value result. It should not be just an operational project. That, okay, mm-hmm. I fixed up the credit card payroll, yeah. or a credit card or a payroll or a finance process. It has to be directed at a board level. Impact. Impact. So Manu, what are you passionate about? Hmm. As a CFO or as Manu? As both. Okay. CFO. Uh, let's start with CFO. So I think the third thing is the most passionate thing about for me and, and making sure that I have identified one or two areas which I know are going to make a material difference. Till the time I am not able to figure that out. I'm really lost on a personal level. I don't, don't project it outside, but I really feel that, you know, I am, I'm not in control mm-hmm. because, uh, like I said, I do not believe by having a monthly management report is what is what makes me so or filing a statutory books so i believe something more to my job and if i've not identified those one or two things for the year i'm really lost manu the cfo passionate about those two things for next year what about manu the person has he got anything to do with us winning the ashes well I would love that. I also would love India winning uh, in South Africa as well. So, yeah. so yeah, those are the two things. Uh, I believe England has not won, won for the last 11 series. So, it, it, 2010 was the last time England won. I believe so. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. high time they do. And equally high time India winning South Africa. No, I think Manu, uh, things which are making, uh, which I'm passionate about as Manu, I'm looking for the next uh, space that I'm not comfortable in. I think I, I, I do not believe that I have come to the end of my finance journey. I, but I do believe that I have picked up in skills in the last five years where I understand, at least I hope I understand what are the main issues for scale-ups and the businesses which are going through massive growth issues, uh, which are, you know, doubling their revenues, tripling their revenues year on year basis and how finance people are struggling or helping or, or are struggling to support those businesses. I think I have understood that finance problem. I'm really passionate to find a different set of finance problem now. I would like to move into an environment which is perhaps a turnaround in my Maybe not next year because I've, I'm hands-on with this scale-up right now for next year. But yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next finance challenge because Finance brings a lot of challenges in business. I believe it's it's all about solving those business problems using finance. So I believe scaling problems is. I I think I've started to get grips to it. Now I need to. I'm looking to find a different problem. Sorry, it's a long-winded answer to that. No, it's a very good answer. And whoever said finance is boring got it completely wrong. No, no. I will give you another, another analogy. Do you remember Godfather? Yes. There was a very interesting line which has stuck with me and perhaps that got me to do the SEMA. There was a line where the antagonist says, finance is a gun. Politics is knowing when to pull it. I like that. 
And that stayed with me forever. And I believe that as an individual because I see it every day, Kevin. Yes. My CEO uses finance as a gun, not to kind of in a in a in a detrimental derogatory manner, but it is an enabling gun. It helps you to take better decisions. It helps you to realize better objectives. It helps you to deliver better returns. The whole yes. purpose of finance is to create value. And it's not about the monthly PL, it's not about the static reports, it's about understanding the economic engine of the business. Correct. What makes that engine tick, what makes that engine grow. I believe the CFO is the custodial of the business model. I believe the CFO is the custodial why the business exists. That's all I believe. Yeah. And I also believe that CFO is responsible for the statutory side. There's no questions about that. But the CFO's purpose is to be the custodial of the business model of the business. If the business model doesn't work, business will not sustain. Exactly. And those are fantastic thoughts to leave the audience with. Manu, thank you very much for being this week's guest on The Grow CFO Show. Thank you very much for having me. I hope it had values. 